My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Welcome to the first podcast. Let's try this out. All right. So let's talk about this. So the first thing I think we should do for our audience, Lauren, is introduce ourselves and talk about our backstories a little bit. I think it's kind of funny, this piece of it, because we often, um, as a part of our job, are talking to other people about their stuff. And we always hear people love to talk about themselves. Um, we never really get a chance to do that. I mean, I suppose in our personal lives, hopefully we do. Uh, but this is an opportunity for us to uh, talk about uh, ourselves a little bit and what to expect from this podcast. But uh, why don't we start with you, Lauren? Tell us a little bit about you and your backstory, and then I'll go. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Lauren McLean. Happy to be here. Um, I totally agree. I, I never talk about myself. Well, at least professionally. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm Lauren. I grew up in North Jersey, and I spent... A lot of time in Pittsburgh, where I went to graduate school. Uh, fun fact, so I'm a therapist, but I was not a psychology major. In fact, I took one psych class in college, and I got a D in it, which is pretty hilarious to me. Oh, I got a C in mine. <laughs> yeah, I was actually wow. a political science major and um, also a social science, though. But um, yeah, at the end of college, I decided that I didn't think politics worked very well, so I didn't really want to be in it. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Amazing that you thought that. You came to that conclusion. I came to that conclusion as a 21-year-old. But, um, but yeah, so I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh and out there, you know, I uh, did all my training to be a therapist and, you know, all that. I live in the Philadelphia area now. Um, some things about me. So, let's see. What do I like? I I love a thrill. I love a challenge. I love pretty much all athletic endeavors. Um, my, one of my favorite activities is people watching. I love people watching. I love trying to like figure out why they make the decisions that they make. This is probably why I'm in the right field. Um, mm. <laughs> um, I love TV, probably for the same reason I like people watching. Um, one of my favorite shows is American Ninja Warrior. I, I really <laughs> enjoy watching that. I love seeing people like, overcome and kind of like push and achieve uh that probably says a lot about my personality um and the type of therapy that you do and right. the type of therapy that i do um so yeah personally like i love goals i love achieving things i love setting goals and meeting goals and watching people set goals and really interested in people and what makes them tick and you know all of that um two little kids Two little girls that are lots of fun and big handfuls. And uh, let's see, what else? Anything else? Well, why did you, let me ask you, why did you do therapy? Like, why, you, you know, you got a D. It wasn't off to a great start. <laughs> it was not off to a great start. No, I, um, I, you know, it's funny. I actually went, before I went to grad school to become a therapist, I was, I went to grad school for higher ed. And I was, you know, I wanted to work in higher education and in, in an administrative role. And, you know, I found myself there and um, I was just always interested in people's stories. Like the, the people that would find their way to my office I, and that were like get in trouble and stuff, 
I'd want to know about like everything, like what, why they make the decisions they made, like how are we going to get them out of it? Like how are we going to get them on the other side? Like I just love doing the counseling side of it. And so I was just like, well, I don't really like doing higher ed, but I really like people and I really like mm-hmm. teaching people. So, so mm-hmm. I went, this is another probably a very indicator of my personality, but I, I was working at Pitt at the time and I knew that if I, um, went to grad school there, it'd be free because of tuition. So I worked full time. I went to grad school full time, which was a very psycho thing to do. Oh um, my God. Wow. Yeah, I found somebody that gave me, I was the night manager of the student union. Um, and so I went to school all day and I worked at night and weekends. Um, but I got Jeez. loans. So um, very strategic. Wow. But yeah, Jeez. so that's how I found my way there. And then, you know, I just, um, I loved it. And like, as crazy as it was the journey to get here, I just really loved it. And, you know, I knew I liked behavioral therapy because I liked seeing people achieve things. I'm not very good at like validating and validating therapy. I like kind of mm. people. Um, once again, there's my personality, but yeah. Yeah, right. Your, your personality has the, the, has sort of, uh, you know, uh, pushed you towards the type of therapy that you do. I think that's common for, uh, well, everybody. We kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, so self-select, you know what exactly. I mean? For fields that we do, not everybody, but if you're lucky enough, I think, and then, and this type of therapy suits you best rather than the more sort of, um, insight oriented introspective, you know what I mean? I, I agree with you. I'm the same way. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, so that's so, me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's anything else I should add, but you're, you're, yeah, I'm sure it will come out. I'm sure it will come, okay, come out. Okay. Right. You're up. <laughs> So what do we know about me? So, um, God, you said, you said, I didn't, you went in the direction of, uh, you know, sort of more personal. And then we went to the professional side. I was going to start with the professional. That probably says something about me, about self-disclosure. You know what I mean? And, uh, but I'm not in a therapy session now. I can say what I want. Whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jeez. All the dirty secrets that I'm about to say. Um, no. So I, I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm from s- southwestern Pennsylvania, Smithton, Pennsylvania. My family uh, owned a, owns a junkyard called Flowers Auto Wreckers in Smithton, Pennsylvania. I don't even know if you told you that. I, did, I didn't know that. Newsflash. Yeah. So like we're, uh, you know, into cars and everything. And, uh, and, and I, my dad always told me, I, you know, working on cars and tow trucks as a kid, as a little boy, I know that's very gender of me to say that, but, uh, as a little boy, that was kind of awesome, uh, to be around all that stuff. But my dad always said, go to school, you know, get out of here. And I think that was part of his impatience of wanting to teach me things. Uh, but I also think it was, you know, uh, he meant that go to school and learn something, which is what I did. It's, and that's been helpful. I wish I knew how to work on cars more than I do, but anyway, um, so yeah, um, from, uh, from Smith and PA, uh, went to college in Wheeling, Wheeling Jesuit University, and then graduate school at Xavier University, both Jesuit institutions. I'm not Catholic. Wow. Um, I'm an atheist, so I don't know how that happened, but uh, but uh, I was taught evolution by a Jesuit priest at Wheeling Jesuit, and that was the best. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Um, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, God, so that's college, went to graduate school, got a C in college in general psych. That's what you got a D in, in your first class. Mine was a C. But man, I really loved it. And then that evolved into, you know, more classes about psychology, child psychology, all of it. And then uh, I knew I wanted to help people somehow. Um, no, it just, you know what? It wasn't, 
I have found this field, I asked you this question, it wasn't necessarily because I have this burning desire to help people. You know what I mean? Like I'm some altruistic saint or something. I'm not. Um, I just find it interesting. It just It's an interesting profession, much like you were saying about how people tick, why they do the things that they do. We have so many people that come to us daily saying, I am doing a thing that I don't want to be doing. And God, that's interesting, you know, and we get to help them, you know, uh, alter their behaviors. Um, like we talked, like I, in the introduction, mostly through cognitive behavioral therapy is the style of, of work that we do. So um, anyway, God, where was I? So yeah, uh, that was gra- graduate school. Oh, so that was, you know, uh, oh, the Jesuit schools. And then, uh, yeah, so for, for graduate school with Xavier, I, you know, uh, graduate school was tough. I, I didn't like sail through, you know what I mean? It wasn't all banners and, and wonderful a uh, wonderful time there, but it was, uh, I got through it and I studied real hard and uh, it was, it was really, uh, really a good experience. Ultimately, I didn't get trained. And did you get trained necessarily in like a cognitive behavioral program? Cause I did not. Yeah, I did at UPMC. I mean, the clinic I worked in like, tr- well, that's the clinic, but not for school. Oh, not for school. I didn't learn anything in grad school. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. This is a good pitch for education. Right off no, the here. I mean, no, it's here. I learned everything I learned. I learned at UPMC in the clinic. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the same thing. So postgraduate school, you know, I, uh, I was at a community mental health center here. Um, uh, briefly, I had to leave that job because it was a bad scene. They were asking me to do some unethical things. Then I went to Mercy Behavioral Health. And you and I have talked about sort of doing work in the trenches, very difficult work of seeing a broad variety of patients and, and, and presenting problems. And um, I really learned how to be a great therapist there. You know what I mean? And uh, I know you and I've talked about that in other contexts, but, um, but yeah. And I, so I didn't get, uh, you know, a lot of CBT training necessarily, but then I kind of evolved into that. Cause that would, that's what made most sense to me as a, as a, as a therapist. And uh and yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but you know, I, you and I both treat OCD and anxiety disorders primarily. Uh, it's the bulk of my caseload. I'm pretty sure it is for you too. And, yep. um, and that happened just because once again, it was fascinating, and interesting. Um, and the type of therapy that we do is, is really fun and people get well quickly. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about my backstory. I didn't say anything that I do for fun. You know, you said you're from Jersey. Do you have to like Bruce Springsteen if you're from Jersey? Obviously it's like not optional. <laughs> yes, I do, I, and I'm not from Jersey, but I've talked about that. Yeah, we've never talked about this, but um, because I also think it's kind of hokey to say, "Oh, you're from Jersey." I know one thing about Jersey. That 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 question you've probably been asked a hundred times. But yeah, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah, I, I've seen him probably thirty times. Yeah, on I too. He's the best. Yeah. No, if you're yeah. from Jersey, it's implied. Yeah, but what about Bon Jovi? I don't like Bon Jovi. But it's just not like it. It's it's on. It's on separate planes. Like, it, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's a little about me. Uh, God, I have I have a family, too. I got three kids, two dogs. I always say I got uh, too many kids and too many dogs. I mean that about the dogs. I have two dogs now. We got a pandemic puppy, which I'm not happy about, but um, <laughs> I live with Because I love my wife, and she wanted one, so that's kind of how I roll. Um, it's our 10-year anniversary tomorrow. Oh, bless. That's great. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, why? That's funny. I mean, yeah, I guess we made it 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on making it 10 years. <laughs> okay. So uh, so let's talk then about uh, a little bit about why uh, we're doing this podcast. I, my, um, 
I'm, I'm going to go first here and talk broadly about cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so, and, and please chime in with questions and let's make this more conversational because otherwise I could be, I don't want to be professorial, okay, and bore uh, a potential audience here at this podcast to death. So um, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, let's break that down. So the cognitive piece is thoughts. All that means, that's a fancy word for just how we think. Um, And then there's a behavioral therapy that's very action-oriented. I'm going to break these down a little bit. But um, anyway, so uh, when we're talking about cognitive therapy, I think the the way that I uh, speak about this and the way that I conceptualize what cognitive therapy is is best exemplified, I think, through cognitive restructuring. So when I'm doing sort of a, a cognitive work with people, I'm asking them to say, okay, well, the way that you're thinking about this event or, or, or this thing in your life, the way that you interpret it uh, determines how you, how you feel about it, your feelings, and then also how you feel, um, you know, affects how you behave. And that's like the nutshell version that I normally give people. I'm sure yours is similar, uh, you know, but um, you can tell me. But like the way that I talk about this in terms of like the way that our thoughts can become distorted when we uh, when we think about events. And so there are there are things that we call and this is, you know, God, you can Google anybody listening can Google this. uh, Aaron Beck, I'm in cognitive therapy. So let me just give some examples of what we mean by this. So like. Um, you know, let's say you have uh, a person who is sitting outside. There are two people sitting outside, person A and person B. Per- it starts to rain. And uh, person A might say, oh, my God, it's raining again. This is so miserable. Um, I hate the rain. My day uh, is now ruined. My day is ruined. Uh, here we go again. Pittsburgh weather. I know you're in Philly now. You don't have to experience this, but it rains in Pittsburgh a lot. And that's kind of, we got a lot of person a here in Pittsburgh, uh, gloomy about the weather. Then you have person B, who's a gardener, who loves that it's raining because it hasn't rained in a few days and they want their crops to grow or the plants or whatever. And so um, person A looks at the situation and is interpreting it as a bad thing. This is bad. That, that, that My day is now ruined because of this rain. Um, and then person B has a totally different interpretation of it. So it's not the rain. So somebody could say, why are you in a bad mood, person A? And they could say, Oh, because it rained. And then if they're in my office, I'm going to say, no, that's not why you're upset. The rain itself did not make you upset. Your interpretation of the rain made you upset. So this is what we call cognitive restructuring. And, um, you know, we wouldn't talk to person B because they'd be happy about the rain. They wouldn't be coming in to see us. Um, but, uh, but that's in a nutshell how I kind of describe it to people. And what we see... And again, this has been written about thousands of times, uh, but there are cognitive distortions. And the one that we just kind of said in the example there, Lauren, was, um, what was that? Uh, Oh, my day is ruined. So ruin, when we think about ruin, we think of a catastrophe, a hurricane, an earthquake, a war. Um, Talk to Ukrainians right now about ruins. They'll tell you, they'll show you pictures that... um, Things are really ruined over there. Um, But this person who who is saying that her day is ruined because it rained, that's not true. That's just not true. So she is engaging in a cognitive distortion called catastrophic thinking. And 
if this person A is coming to our office, she's often thinking, let's say for depression, she's looking at the world and, and viewing it through these distorted lenses is the way that I like to talk about it. And it is our job and we're doing cognitive work to help them, you know, raise awareness of the way that they're using these distorted patterns um, and think through them a little bit more clearly um, in a non-distorted fashion. So we might have that person say, well, you know what, I mean, the day is not ruined, um, but I'm not happy that it's raining. Okay, that's much better. You know what I mean? Uh, that person's going to hopefully not be so down in the dumps. And that's a silly example about raining and person A and person B. If we give a real life example, Lauren, I, I, I mean, you can give one, but I'll give one. When I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off in traffic, you know, I get really mad. I don't have, I mean, I, I, I guess we could call it road rage. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't handle or anything crazy, but, you know, I've done things like speed up a little bit and tailgate because I'm mad. Am I like my car is going to growl at them or something or, <laughs> you know, like some weird thing, which is not how I want to act. I have kids now. Everybody in America has a gun or two, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I can't be so foolish, right? So, um, this is the example I often give when I'm teaching this to patients. I'll say, okay, I'm driving down the road and a guy cuts me off. Now, my first, I, the way that I think about that, I said, you jerk, who do you think you are? You son of a bitch. Um, uh, how dare you? You know, this is the kind of a language. Now, if we, if I was working with somebody in therapy, I would have them look at these different distorted patterns. And one of the ones that would come up would be shoulding. Okay, that I am I am should or must thinking. That's the underlying theme of my anger in this car. I'm saying you shouldn't drive like that. People shouldn't cut people up. That's what I'm doing, you know? And I, I give this example, and most people argue with me on this, although I think it's a very salient point. Um I do not make the rules about how people should drive. You know what I mean? But I'm acting as rights. Right, exactly. But I'm acting as though I do, which is why I'm sort of on this high horse of you shouldn't have cut me off, you know? Um, but anyway, I'm shooting in that moment. And if I'm in therapy or if I'm paying attention to the therapy that I give people, I should, I'm, I'm going to tell myself, you know what, Nick? You don't make the rules of the world. Maybe this person just likes to drive fast. Maybe they get a new car. I don't know. Like, maybe they just like to cut people off, and they believe that's the way they want to act in the world. I don't have to agree with it, but I also can't flip them off or tailgate them, you know? And that helps to reduce my anger slightly, not like a lot, but at least gets me to, it reduces my anger a little bit, and it influences my behavior, and meaning I'm not going to flip them off. I'm just going to keep my hands on the wheel and keep driving. Does that make, does that make sense? Am I yeah, explaining absolutely. that in a way? You're not going to get as angry, and, you know, I, I like how you said that, but if I'm going to practice what I'm teaching people, I, 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 I think it's really helpful to remember, like, we're not perfect. You know, like last week you told me, you pointed out a should that I didn't even realize I was doing, you know, like everybody oh, yeah. has blind spots and right. like, sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. And, you know, these distortions are something that we just need to get into the habit of recognizing, noticing, like, and then challenging, you know, and that's just something that takes a lot of practice and repetition, but it really begins with knowing where your distorted thought patterns are, you know? No, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, you said the key word, we're not perfect. You know, I, uh, God, I, you know, that, that, that word comes up so much when we're working with people with OCD, you know, um, I, yeah, no, totally agree with that. And, um, 
so yeah, that, that's an example then of of, of a cognitive distortion, um, and there are many. We're not going to. This isn't meant to be a, a sort of full unpacking of all this, but anyway, when we're doing cognitive therapy, we're saying as therapists, as a community, if you if you alter the way that you think about this situation, if you sit back and reflect on how you're viewing it, that the insight that you gain from that might allow you to feel differently and then behave differently. That's what the cognitive people say. Now, let's move to behavioral therapy. Behavioral therapists say, well, if you change the way that you behave, that that is ultimately going to help you think differently, you know, about about things and feel differently, you know. And in, and in behavioral therapy, we're asking people to do things, to uh, to do things differently, to change their behaviors in some way. I'm often talking to people about like Skinner is the most famous, you know, psychologist who talked to us about positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement um, and punishment as well. Uh, we know that reinforcement is the best way to uh, change behaviors. Um, and so I'm often talking to my patients about that and, and to get them to know what those things mean, um, because any behavior that is repeated is reinforced somehow. And what we're trying to do with people is to try to say, okay, you keep, let's say, scrolling on your phone in bed at night because it's right there. It's very reinforced behavior. It it, it, it gives it gives you a, uh, you know, it, it helps you, you know, um, forget about the day or, or whatever it is, but it serves a, 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 a function, a very powerful function to scroll on that phone in your bed at night. Um, and then, so we're asking people to do things differently. And that, like, this, in this example, it might be to leave your phone somewhere else or get a regular alarm clock if you want to get better sleep, you know, sort of alter your environment in, in those kind of ways. Um, for people that are depressed, we're asking them to uh, do more value-based behaviors, like, which could include, like, you know, taking a walk in the park, um, spending time with your kids, uh, doing the laundry, things that are sort of mundane, but also rewarding. Um, the person that plays basketball is who suffers from depression is not playing basketball. Well, they need to be playing basketball. And if we can help them alter their environment and get them to play more basketball, the act of doing that, even if they don't feel like doing it, you know, can alter the way that they think and that they feel. And so that's really where the behavior piece of, of this goes. And then CBT is what you often hear. It's a combination of these two things where one pulls the other along um, and they kind of work together. Um, do you have anything to add to anything I've been saying about this? Or? Yeah, two things. I think that, you know, in CBT, you know, we talk about cognitions, we talk about behavior change. Um, CBT doesn't talk a ton about emotions. Um, some of the other CBT associated therapies add that in. And I think that that's kind of an important piece. Like, just kind of mm. normalizing that, you know, everybody has emotions, whether you like it or not. Like DBT, you mean? Yeah, or... yeah, DBT is a favorite of mine. But like, yeah, everybody has emotions, whether you like it or not. And it's just about recognizing, naming them, kind of like working through them, not getting stuck in them. And I think where emotions and DBT overlap is that emotion-driven thinking. Like when you were talking about that car example, the emotion you're feeling is anger and anger is driving those should statements, which is then driving your behavior of tailing that person and doing that aggressive mm. moving and like being able to say, all right, that made me angry. All right, let me just like take a deep breath. Like, I don't really want to like rage out in front of my kids and or like in general. So mm -hmm. take a deep breath. Let me just like name my anger. Let's just like, here we go. Let's be thoughtful. Mm. 
you know, so I think that there's definitely like a, a good discussion point on just kind of normalizing, like you're a human being, you're hardwired to feel emotion. That doesn't have to be a big thing that drives your behavior. And I think CBT yeah. helps with the clarity with that. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with every, with everything you said. I, I, you know, I'll throw in a couple more distortions for, um, just for examples purposes. Uh, one that I see a lot is overgeneralization, which is like something happens, you treat it as a proof mm. concept for all similar situations. And, mm. um, it's like, well, that person did that. So then they're always going to do that, which means then I can't, sure. them, right. And, um, that's one of the distortions that gets me the most heated because I'm like, well, they did that once. Or that happened once in this setting, and let's not use that as like a driving force about the world. Um, another overgeneralization that I had a great conversation with somebody recently about, you know, um, the type of person somebody is. Like if somebody like cheats or, you know, says a lie, well, they're the type of person that cheats. And I was like, well, you know, maybe they cheated once in a lapse of judgment and they really regret it. And maybe they're capable of not cheating again, you know, and maybe it's not like there are the cheaters and the people that will never cheat. Maybe it's just thinking more kind of broadly about, you know, decisions people make as opposed to conclusions about the totality of who they are. You know? Right. So that's black or white thinking. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, yeah. And, and, and so this like kind of what I went over cognitive and the behavioral and CBT, there are like you're, you, you, glad you mentioned like dbt there's these third wing you know or third wave not wing uh third wave you know therapies that have come along and dbt is a prominent one of those so i'm glad you brought that up but uh but yeah and in, in our discussion and in, in europe uh now i think you know talk a little bit about how we're wanting to incorporate the things that we do because we do this in the therapy room all the time and uh you know our impetus to want to do this podcast is to uh see how this can be applied more broadly um outside of the therapy room so uh what what, what do you want to say about that yeah you know i i i feel really fortunate to have done the training that i have and learned what i have and i feel like i have benefited as a person um in applying this stuff for myself and i feel like i I'm a lot more measured emotionally. Like I don't often like jump to conclusions or always get too worked up about things. And, you know, I'm able to kind of see things a bit more factually sometimes um, because I'm pretty attuned to this stuff. And because of that, I feel like, you know, when you look at issues in the world and you look at, you know, what's happening, you know, on social media, what's happening, you know, in relationships, what, what has happened with the pandemic and how it's kind of shaped how we interact with each other. Um, I, I see a lot of distortions all the time in everyday life. Like, you know, and I always joke with my husband, like I can't always take my therapy like glasses off. I feel like I have like, I have like radar for distortions. Like I just hear, them, you know, like right. sometimes watching news shows, like listening to how people kind of present things. Right. I'm like, this is so distorted. Like we're, you know, we're looking, we're, we're kind of explaining things in this like very jumping to conclusions, black and white way. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of blame and accusation and, you know, it's just, and that type of speech drives conclusions, drives emotions. You know, I think, you know, not jumping too ahead, but we certainly have lots of culture wars going on in our country. And, you know, I think it's very much driven by distorted thinking, both that people yeah. are hearing and then internalizing and in speaking 
And so I, I just think there's huge, there's huge opportunity to take the principles of CBT and apply them to a greater audience. Yeah, I agree. It was funny when you were talking about, um, you know, because of the nature of the work that we do, uh, largely with cognitive therapy and, 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 and you hear it in others. And you mentioned your husband, you know, like taking the therapy and that sometimes comes at home too. It's like you hear your husband or I hear my wife saying some things. I'm like, oh, it's pretty distorted. <laughs> even my kids now, even my kids, now, cause I must've said this like a couple of times. I must've said, um, well, you don't need that you want it, you know? And then, uh, and then my daughter will throw that at me all the time. Well, daddy, you don't need a cookie. You want a cookie. Like, oh, okay, yes. Um, it just, uh, it's just funny how that, you know, that comes home too, but yeah. Um, so yeah, to apply this more broadly, um, outside of the therapy, because I agree, we, we see this. And again, I just, I don't want this to come off as, um, I don't know, uh, almighty or whatever because we we are not perfect nope. and uh what you said a minute ago um like that you you see these things hear hear these distorted thinking in, in the rest of the world and and uh, and i do too it's not to say that we have we don't fly off the handle because you know ask my second dog um or my <laughs> third child or any of my children they, they'll, they'll tell you yeah daddy has a loud voice sometimes um but, but, uh, you know, like I talk with my patients about it, it's, we're not perfect. We all, we are human beings and we make mistakes and we don't see things clearly. And we're all prone to these, you know, distorted thinking patterns. And, and I think it, like you said, really leads to a lot of dysfunction in our arguments, like watching, like you said, watching the news, watching people debate, getting into the cesspool that is social media and, and, and Facebook and Twitter. Oh my God. It's just so bad. And I know that that's the impetus in part for why you and I are doing this podcast, don't you think? Absolutely. I think that, like, you know, when people come to us with, you know, a clinically significant, you know, psychiatric disorder like depression or anxiety or CD yeah. or sort of phobia, like mm -hmm. CBT has been proven in clinical trials to be effective at treating that and that people can get better. But there's people that aren't depressed and don't have an anxiety disorder it, that I think could benefit immensely from just kind of understanding these concepts, right? Like, I feel like social right. media would be a lot better of a place if people were able to kind of like titrate their thoughts a little bit and not kind of speak in yeah. a black and white way of like, if you don't agree with me, then, you know, like you're a terrible person or, you know, whatever. Like there is, guys, yeah. there, uh, guys Nick, there is this, I'm speaking to my invisible audience here for a minute. There is this man that lives like in the town next to mine that constructed this wooden flagpole, this giant wooden flagpole and these like wooden flags kind of in his front yard. It's this like, it looks like a monument in his front yard and I won't say what side it is, but like, it just says like F bombs and then a, like a political message. Like, you know, wow. it, it's, I'm like, wow, to be that angry about the state of the yeah. world that you turn yeah. your front yard into like this giant monument that you built to make yeah. your political statement. Like, I feel like that's really telling, you know, and maybe I'm on my high horse here, but maybe he could benefit from CBT. Maybe he might not have to be so angry, you know, like, I'm, yeah, well, I don't know. No, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, I, no, I, I agree that there, there's, uh, there's such a us versus them by, we talk about the, 
bipolarization of our politics. And that is, that is quite literally black and white thinking like there you're on one team, I'm on another. And, um, God, we got to do something about that. I'm not sure that this podcast is going to solve all the world's problems, but we do, we, you and I both are moved to speak about these things and to hopefully disseminate some of the things that we do in the therapy room, helping people with major mental illnesses. Like you said, depression, OCD, anxiety, who people, people aren't leaving their home. I'm talking about people that we see sometimes don't leave their homes. Uh, they pull out their hair. They 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 have suicidal ideation and attempts for people that are depressed. Often, um, you know, people with OCD that are just not functioning, getting fired from work. A tremendous societal toll that these mental illnesses have um, on people and society at large. And these things that we're talking about are, are very helpful in the treatment for those things. So yeah, it stands to reason that we could all use a couple sprinklings of cognitive behavioral sort of rationality and some of the political arguments that we have, um, not just politics or what, the state of the world, but like uh, how things are going at home with your wife or your husband or partner or whatever, how you're parenting your children. And again, people without mental illnesses. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I'll, I'll say another example. One thing you know, were talking about the behaviorism piece. Um, one thing I love about behavioral therapy is it's kind of based on this idea of like chains of behavior, meaning you do this, which mm. A leads to B leads to C leads to D, you know, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth, right? Like behavior gets reinforced. And when we say reinforced, we mean, okay, I did this, and then there's a learning. What did that teach me, right? Like, if your kid screams at you for a cookie and you give them the cookie, the reinforcement Mm. is, if I scream loud enough, I'm going to get a cookie, right? Your kid's going to remember that next time, and they're going to keep screaming at you for cookies, right? Um, So that's what reinforcement is, right? But um, behavioral therapy, one of my favorite things about it is this idea that we think that we're driven by our behaviors that are reinforced means we'll do more of them, which means that people, we, we believe that people are capable of change, that people don't mm. have to be stuck, that people don't right. have to be stagnant, that people are right. capable of saying, hey, I don't like that I do that and I want to do something differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could take it, you know, in a much bigger way. It's to say that, like, you know, we think people are limitless to some degree. Now, obviously, everybody has some inherent limitations, but only real limitations do we need to pay attention to. You know, I think that the capacity for growth and achievement comes out of, you know, that behavioral therapy, that belief that we think that people can be get get and be better and improve and have better quality of life. I can't think of like a more like inspiring thing, you know, like, and that kind of speaks to that, like goal driven part of me, like what, like just as a virtue of doing this, like I said, I love working out and athletic things. Like I love pushing myself and trying to like break my records. Like I love trying to see like, oh, maybe I can do more next time, you know, like, and I think that if I didn't have this training, I might be like, maybe I don't need to see like how much I can deadlift. Like, Maybe that doesn't matter and maybe it doesn't, but it's that like the thrill of the curiosity to see what can be different and what can you achieve. And I think that in a micro way, that's where I feel like the principles of CBT can really benefit benefit people because we believe that you're capable of growth and change, but, and we hope that you would believe that about yourself too. 
Yeah, and they may not believe that about themselves uh, when they come into therapy. Now, we're talking about therapy now. You know, sure. Because people, someone that is suffering from depression is lost in it. You know, they, they don't believe. You know, sometimes they'll tell me, uh, you know, I don't, I can't see it. I can't see how this therapy is going to work. And I always go, yeah, I'm not surprised. You're really depressed right sure. now. I don't expect you to see it. Um, but let's 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 continue anyway and see what happens. You know what I mean? But but yeah, th- your point about people can change is really the most important point here. Um, and I, I, and I think underlies all that we do in therapy and what we're trying to do with this podcast is that yes, the, these these issues that we're talking about and, and nothing is not amenable to change. Um, and I, th- I think that's an important piece uh, as we go forward. Um, okay. Um, what do you, is it time to recap? What do you think? Um, yeah, I think, um, let me just say a couple more things about why this is useful. Okay. You know, yoga is kind of under the mindfulness umbrella, but something that I learned in yoga is that the goal of mindfulness is about the, mm-hmm. think about this image of a mirror and the more you practice mindfulness, the more you're cleaning the mirror and you can see yourself more clearly. Mm. And I think that that's a nice visual for what we're going for with CBT here is that CBT really is about trying to be as factual as possible, notice patterns that get you stuck so that you can see the mirror of yourself more clearly. And then once again, Mm -hmm. that belief that you're capable of growth and change and that if you're stuck and you don't like that you're doing something that you can get unstuck, right? So it's just about being able to see more clearly and have more realistic, you know, expectations about others, yourself, the world, it's okay to make mistakes. You don't have to be perfect. You can have emotions, so on and so forth. So, yeah, so I'd say that's kind of like the why of what we're trying to get at here with CBT. So, yeah, I think good, now would be a good time to wrap that up. So, again, thank you for listening, uh, who, who, whomever or who, whoever is listening at this point. My name is Nick Flower. I'm in Pittsburgh, and I, uh, I we didn't even say our practices. Uh, my practice is called OCD Spectrum in Pittsburgh, and yours is called? OCD Mainline. I'm in Berwyn, Pennsylvania. Right. And, uh, you know, this is what we do uh, for a living is to help people with these issues. So, to recap, we, we talked about what cognitive therapy is. Um, you know, that's therapy dealing mostly with cognitions and helping people to have those insights about the way that they're thinking about things impacts the way that they feel, which impacts the way that they behave. Behavioral therapy is deals mostly with helping people to do things differently and that that helps them change the way that they think and feel. And then the combination of those two is cognitive behavioral therapy. And we use that with great success with people with all kinds of mental illnesses. And Lauren talked about how we want to apply these things that we do in therapy more broadly to the issues that everyone is struggling with that's not in the therapy room. Um, and the things that we see on social media and in our politics and the way that we go about the world these days. Yeah, and we think it could benefit you. So that's how we're right. talking about it. Exactly. So that's what we're doing. And we'll, I'll look forward to talking with you next time, Lauren, about our next topic uh, that we're going to get into. Yeah, whatever that will be. All right, cool. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review, and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.